0: The Peter Schiff Show. Today's episode of the Peter Schiff Show Podcast is sponsored by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. You can schedule a free product tour right now at NetSuite.com slash gold. And buy indeed. Hiring is one of those things you don't want to mess up. With the stakes high, there's only one choice, Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com peter. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The big market news of the day is the renewed momentum in the rotation out of the growth Uh, COVID stay-at-home type stocks into more value-oriented stocks that a lot of investors had completely overlooked uh, during the mania of growth at any price. In fact, what's really pressuring the growth trade is the relentless surge in long-term interest rates and commodity prices, which continues today and really looks to have no end in sight other than the Fed. I mean, if the Fed doesn't step up to the plate big time, I don't see anything to stop the rise in bond yields. The yield on the 10-year today hit 1.37%. That's where we closed. The 30-year, even a bigger move, we closed at 2.18%. We're just under 2.2. We'll probably be there by tomorrow. But really, if you look at a chart, of the 10-year treasury. There's really nothing but air between where we are now and 3%. Now again, 3% bond yields historically are not high, but they're very high considering the enormous amount of debt the US government is on the hook to repay and corporate America, everybody else, their debt is tied to treasury debt. So as the cost for the government to borrow goes up, the cost for everybody else to borrow goes up even more. And the Federal Reserve is going to have to do something if it wants to slow down this freight train. In fact, when we get through 3%, look at a chart. There's nothing there between 3% and 5%. Without the Fed printing unlimited amounts of dollars, that's where rates are headed. But imagine what's going to happen to this economy as weak as it is now if it had to deal with a 10-year treasury at 5%. Think about uh, corporate America. Think about the housing market and what that would do to home prices if 30-year mortgages were now benchmarked off a 10-year treasury at 5%. The Fed is going to have to print massive amounts of money, and I have no doubt that it will to stop that from happening. Now, I don't think they'll be successful in stopping it. They will be successful in delaying it, but what it will do is accelerate the move up in commodity prices, which continues today. Look at the price of crude oil, up almost $3 a barrel. As I'm recording this podcast, the markets have closed and crude is just over $62 a barrel, $62.09. I'm not sure when it finally settles on the day, maybe that's it, but this is a big move up in crude. But more important than the fact that crude prices are moving up is that there's no reason for them to stop. Look at a chart. We have a long way to go in the crude oil market. And again, it's not just crude oil prices. Commodity prices in general are going up. I've talked about this. The move in industrial metals is particularly sharp. Copper continued up almost 2% of the day. We're now at $4.15 a pound, uh, closing in on the record high of four and a half. Look at tin. Tin was up over 5% on the day. Don't throw away those tin cans uh, they're going to be pretty valuable the agricultural commodities again they continue to move up corn up another 1.6 percent on the day wheat up better than two percent on the day really big move up in coffee today up four and a half percent sugar up 3.3 percent. cotton up better than 2% lumber prices. They had a correction from the highs, but they were up almost 4% today. Rubber up close to 2%. You can go down the list. In fact, if you look at the CRB index, it's at almost 205. We're at better than a five year high in the CRB. But, you know, think about where the economy was five years ago. I mean, by any conventional measures, the economy was in much better shape five years ago than it is today, yet all these prices are back up to the highs that they were at back then. I mean, think about the unemployment. I mean, back then, the unemployment rate, at least the official rate, was 4 or 5%. I mean, it's higher than that now significantly, but the unofficial rate is much higher. We have far more people not working today than five years ago, yet prices are moving up. In fact, they were discussing inflation quite a bit on uh, financial television today. And what everybody keeps falling back on is the unemployment level. And they still think, look, we have a lot of unemployed people. And so uh, we don't really have to worry about inflation. Then you have some people thinking that, well, the recovery could be stronger than we think. And people going back to work, that could be putting upward pressure on prices because you know now they're going to have jobs and so now they're going to be spending money. But these guys don't understand basic economics. People going to work productively, that does not cause inflation, right? Because inflation is caused by the Fed. But even if you define inflation as rising prices, people productively employed do not cause prices to go up. They actually cause the opposite. The more people who are productively employed, the lower the prices are, because if you're employed productively, you are aiding in the production of goods and services. So the greater the supply of goods and services, the lower the price. The problem is when you have people who aren't employed productively spending money, that's what's driving the prices up, but it's because the money they're spending is coming from the government. So these high levels of unemployment are a big problem. Because a lot of these unemployed people are spending more money today than they were spending when they had jobs. I've talked about this on this podcast. We have retail sales going through the roof, even though people don't have paychecks. Well, what do they got? They're getting checks from the government instead of from an employer. But when they get a check from the employer, it's for their help in producing goods and services. When they get a check from the government, they don't have to do anything, right? And the only reason those government checks aren't bouncing is because the Federal Reserve is monetizing the deficits. Otherwise, they would bounce. So if you're just spending government money, and of course, if you get a government job, right, most government jobs aren't productive, but where's the money coming from to pay these government workers if it's not coming out of their productivity? Again, it's coming from the Federal Reserve. So that is what is driving higher prices. It's not that we have too many people working, Is that we don't have enough people working and we have too many people working in non-productive jobs getting paid by the government. And all of this is going to get much, much worse when we pass this $1.9 trillion stimulus package, which of course the price tag is going to far exceed $1.9 trillion because again, they are not looking at the moral hazard that these spending programs create. And as a result, a lot more money is going to end up being spent than is being budgeted. If you're a business owner, you don't need me to tell you that running a business is tough, but you might be making it even harder on yourself than necessary. So don't let QuickBooks or spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information that you need and more importantly, give it to you when you need it. So ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software that you've already outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, your HR, your inventory, e-commerce, and much, much more. Everything you need all in one place instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or a hundred million in revenue, you can save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies that are already using NetSuite right now. So let Netsuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com/gold. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com/gold. That's netsuite.com/gold. But finally, too, we had the precious metals uh, commodities participating in the rally. I mean, nothing really spectacular. We had the price of gold up about $25 on the day. I mean, really, that's not a big move. I mean, it's up, uh, but nothing like what it should be doing and what I think it will be doing in the near future. But at least we're back above $1,800. we are about 1809 Silver had a better day with silver prices up about 65 $0.66, cents, getting close to $28 an ounce now for the price of silver. See, I think one of the things that's driving silver too is that it's moving as an industrial metal as well as a precious metal because it's the industrial metals that are really leading the charge right now. And so silver is kind of in the middle. It's part industrial and part precious. And so it's moving on its industrial components. But once we start to see the bid coming in for gold as a precious metal, then silver is going to enjoy that bid as well. I think it's going to keep going up as an industrial metal, but be supercharged as a precious metal. And I think you're really going to see a spectacular move up in gold and silver. And we saw that today in the silver mining stocks. There are a lot of silver companies today that were up 10% or more on the day. So a very, very strong day uh, for some of these stocks. Gold stocks, too, were up. I mean, it was nice to see them up. Nothing spectacular. But the GDX did manage to gain 4.5% on the day. The GDXJ, which has some of those junior miners, was up almost 6% on the day. So it's a good start. Uh, but I think it's it's small relative to what's coming. In fact, the U.S. dollar was also weaker across the board today. The dollar index finished down 03 just at about 90 even, 0.90 on the dollar index. This really is right at support. And it looks to me like we could break through that support level and fall quite a bit from here. And in fact, the reason that we had the pullback in gold and the reason that gold is not moving up with all these industrial metals is because of this narrative that I've been discussing on the podcast that this stronger than expected economic recovery powered by government stimulus is going to result in the Fed raising interest rates sooner than everybody expects and that tighter monetary policy is going to make the dollar go up and it's going to be a strengthening dollar that is going to weaken gold. Except one of the main flaws in that narrative, other than the fact that the economy isn't strong, it's a bubble and the Fed's not going to let the air out of its own bubble, is the fact that the dollar ain't going up. Despite the rise in long-term interest rates and the rise in commodity prices, the dollar is not going up. It's right on the floor. Now, maybe it's the belief that rate hikes are coming and they're going to strengthen the dollar. Maybe that's providing some temporary support for the dollar. Maybe if it wasn't for the fact that so many people on Wall Street believe something is going to happen that's not going to happen, maybe it's that belief that's been temporarily propping up the dollar. But the key is how much longer can it happen? And once the dollar defies expectations and starts to fall, despite rising interest rates, despite rising commodity prices, then gold has a lot of catching up to do because all the people who have been selling gold based on this false narrative are going to have to rush to buy it back. The only problem is it's going to be a lot more expensive. Meanwhile, look at all the other uh, commodity-related stocks, energy-related, other uh, resource-related stocks, uh, the uh, industrial metal stocks, having very, very strong days, as well as a lot of other value stocks uh, that I track and that we own around the world, all seeing significant inflows as money is fleeing from uh, the momentum stocks. I mean, you can see this. If you just look at the U.S. averages, the Dow Jones today was the only average of the four to finish positive on the day. In fact, the Dow did make a new record high today, uh, 31,653.48, before closing at 31,521.69. So off its highs, but still positive on the day. Meanwhile, look at the NASDAQ. NASDAQ was down 2.5%. 341 points. When's the last time you saw the Dow Jones close positive and make a record high, yet have the NASDAQ drop 2.5%? Obviously, it's those momentum stocks that are weighing down the NASDAQ. They also weighed down the S&P, but to a lesser degree, S&P closing down about 3 quarters of 1%. But look at some of these stocks that really got clobbered in the NASDAQ. A lot of these were the darlings of the COVID stay-at-home, DoorDash, That was down 13.5% on the day. Casper Sleep down about 7%. Looking at some of these here. Snowflake, that was down 7%. DocuSign down over 8%. Peloton down over 9%. You know, another stock that is a recent IPO, Bumble, Uh, That was down 5.5%. This was the dating app that went public, what, a week or two ago. This is a new low for that stock since going public. It did trade as high as 84.80, and it closed today at 67.20. But that stock looks like it has a long way to drop. But speaking of stocks that have dropped a long way, take a look at Tesla, which officially slipped into bear market territory today. Two weeks, I think exactly 14 days. From Elon Musk announcing that Tesla spent $1.5 billion buying Bitcoin, shares of Tesla stock are now in a bear market. Now, granted, the entire 20% of the decline didn't happen since the announcement. That's about 16% of the fall. So it was already 4% of the way before the announcement and now since the announcement we've plunged 16 percent including eight percent today tesla down better than eight percent in one day of course tesla wasn't the only uh crypto related stock getting clobbered today paypal down almost five percent on the day square was down well only three percent not that bad of course MicroStrategy that's the the big the big stock of the crypto stocks that was down about 9% MicroStrategy is really just a Bitcoin ETF at this point you know by the way Michael Saylor refused to debate me right we both did interviews with the same guy on YouTube he's got a pretty popular channel and he's a crypto guy so the the invitation was on friendly turf right so the guy asked me if I would be willing to debate Michael Saylor. And I said, sure, I'll debate him. I'd be happy to debate him. And he said, great, let me arrange it with Saylor. Uh, But Saylor, uh, you know, check it out. He didn't want to do it. Now, I don't blame the guy, right? I mean, he's out there trying to convince CEOs to spend $50,000 on a worthless or valueless digital token. I mean, why would he want to debate me? I mean, I'm just going to call attention to the absurdity of what he's trying to encourage people to do. In fact. Tesla slipping into a bear market two weeks after uh, announcing it bought Bitcoin, that's not exactly the kind of message that Saylor was hoping to send to other CEOs, trying to say, hey, look what Elon did. You should do the same thing. Hey, it's not working out so well for Elon. And you know, I said that on this podcast, I thought it would be ironic if the pin that ended up pricking the Tesla bubble was the Bitcoin bubble. and saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Now, look, it's premature to say the Tesla bubble has pricked. I mean, I think Tesla has slipped into a bear market uh, technically on numerous occasions and it has always recovered to make a new high. So I'm not gonna say that that's not gonna happen, uh, but so far, maybe my observation may turn out to be correct. Now, as far as Bitcoin itself, Bitcoin itself narrowly averted falling into bear market territory today. Bitcoin rose on Sunday afternoon to an all-time record high of just over 58,200. And by early this morning, the next morning, Sunday morning, we had fallen all the way down to 47400 Now, I say all the way down. Obviously, that's still a very high price, but that was an 18.5% drop in a half a day. Now, it's since recovered, right? We're now at about $54,500 as I am recording this podcast, which was an all-time record high until you know just a couple of days ago. So we still have a very high price for Bitcoin. But the point is, that Bitcoin dropped by 18.5% in just a number of hours, which again proves that all these Bitcoin promoters that are trying to convince everybody that Bitcoin is now less volatile, right? That it's the higher price has reduced the volatility. That's not true. Bitcoin is every bit as volatile at 55,000 as it was at 5,500. That hasn't changed. So that's another promise, That Bitcoin has failed to keep in that volatility would go down as price went up. I remember I heard one guy saying that Bitcoin is the opposite of other assets in that the higher the price gets, the lower the risk, which of course is absurd. And you can see that when you have this huge drop on no real news. I mean, during the drop, um, Janet Yellen came out, and made some rather simplistic and obvious observations about Bitcoin. I mean, nothing that critical, just that it's expensive to use. So it's not that viable as a medium of exchange. I mean, who cares? I mean, everybody says that. I mean, that's no big deal. That shouldn't make Bitcoin go down as much as it did. Now, I did read some articles about some comments that Jim Bullard made about Bitcoin. Uh, He said that it poses no threat to the US dollar and its status as the reserve currency, which of course, I agree with that point. It doesn't pose a threat at all. Ironically, it's the Federal Reserve that poses the threat to the US dollar and its role as the world's primary reserve currency. But the biggest rival to the dollar and the heir to the dollar's throne as the primary reserve asset is gold. It's not Bitcoin. But again, this is standard stuff. I mean, it shouldn't cause the price of Bitcoin to collapse by 18.5%. So the reason it did is because some people tried to sell. Now, I don't know how much money tried to get out, but you actually try to get out of Bitcoin and that's what can happen to the price. Now, as soon as the seller got out, right, maybe on thin volume, Uh, they were able to pump it back up, right, and and repair some of the damage. But everybody is so complacent that every time Bitcoin drops, it's going to just snap right back. Well, it's going to work until it doesn't. One day it's going to drop and it's going to keep on falling and it's not going to stop. You know, my podcast is really just a small business. And when you're talking to small business owners, we get it 100%. And when it comes to hiring, every single hire needs to fit just right. Our team is small. One wrong move could destroy the whole operation. That's why I want to talk to you about Indeed. Indeed Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed's instant match. Indeed searches through millions of resumes in their database to help show you a great candidate instantly so you can do the part that you really need to do faster and that's meeting and hiring great people unlike some hiring sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility delivering a quality shortlist faster with Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time, and you only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you'll see a list of great candidates right away. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com Peter. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Peter. Indeed.com slash Peter. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Now, there was one other piece of news that came out over the weekend that I happen to be involved with. And it was a tweet from Elon Musk. And this tweet, Elon Musk wrote, that said, BTC and ETH do seem high, LOL. And at the time of this uh, tweet, the price of Bitcoin was, you know, north of 50,000. Uh, maybe it was 54, 55,000, 56. I don't remember exactly where it was. But I do recall a lot of people responding to that tweet and pointing out that, hey, Elon Musk said the same thing about Tesla stock. He said it was seemed high. And then it went way up after he said that. Uh, so people kind of initially dismissed it off because there was not an immediate reaction other than a small reaction. In fact, I know that Bitcoin made its 58,000 record high after the Musk tweet had come out. So that tweet where Elon Musk claims that BTC seems high didn't stop Bitcoin from going even higher. Now, of course, it's not that it seems high. I mean, it's ridiculously high. I mean, it shouldn't even have a price. So any price is too high. But the interesting thing about that tweet is it was directed at me. It was the second response to a tweet that I had mentioned about Elon Musk. And he actually replied to it. Now, I think I put out the tweet on Friday morning or Friday afternoon and Musk didn't reply to it until late Friday night or early Saturday morning. I think it was early, early in the morning, maybe, you know, maybe one, two o'clock or something like that. He was up late or maybe he's on the West Coast and, you know, I'm I'm in Puerto Rico. But I didn't see his reply until I woke up the following morning. So here is the tweet that Musk replied to. And this is the only time I've ever put out a tweet where I talked about Musk, where he has replied. So I wrote, according to Elon Musk, Bitcoin is almost as BS as fiat. So Musk regards both Bitcoin and fiat as BS. I agree. I just think Bitcoin, which is digital fiat, is even more BS than paper fiat issued by central banks. Gold is not BS, it's real money and better than both. Right, And that is what prompted Musk's reply. And look, I have a lot of respect for Elon Musk. Um, you know, obviously, you know, at one point he was the richest man in the world. I mean, he's been knocked down a couple of pegs here recently, but he's still up there, you know, and so, and, and he's a brilliant engineer. And I'm sure he will go down as, you know, one of the greats of American, uh, you know, engineering, and we'll see, you know, what he, uh, he accomplishes. Again, I've never met the guy in person. I mentioned I met his mother, May Musk. Uh, she was uh, here at the resort where I live in Puerto Rico. And I had a chance to, you know, talk to her quite a bit. And yeah, she was a lovely lady. And uh, so, you know, he's got a great mom. And so he's, you know, he's, I'm sure he's a nice guy. And he's certainly a brilliant guy, at least when it comes to engineering. But even though he's was the richest man in the world and has more money than almost all of us, his understanding of money is flawed. At least the understanding that he is portraying on Twitter. Now, again, you don't know. I always have to be suspicious of anybody who's involved in Bitcoin. I don't know if they actually believe what they're saying or they're just saying what they're saying in order to pump up the price of Bitcoin. So you just don't know. But assuming Musk is is being honest then he doesn't really understand money, which is fine because most people don't understand money. That's why they need to listen to the Peter Schiff Show podcast. But I'm going to read Elon Musk's reply, and this shows you that he doesn't understand money, and some of his later tweets about Bitcoin, because he's now really digging in and trying to tout Bitcoin and trash gold. So here is Musk's reply to me. An email saying you have gold is not the same as having gold. You might as well have crypto. Money is just data that allows us to avoid the inconvenience of barter. That data, like all data, is subject to latency and error. The system will evolve that which minimizes both. That is his response. And there are a lot of errors in that small response. Although if you look on uh, the internet and you Google my name now, there's all these articles about how Elon Musk schooled me, right? And they, they point out how he educated me on money. He didn't educate me on anything. He he demonstrated his ignorance on money. I actually schooled him in my replies. But none of the Bitcoin guys who write all these articles are focusing on my replies to Musk. They're simply focusing on Musk's reply to me because that serves their own interests. Now, a funny thing too about the Musk tweet is how CNBC avoided mentioning that the tweet was directed at me. Because, you know, They spent all day on CNBC covering Bitcoin. So the fact that Elon Musk tweeted out that the price seemed high was a huge story. In fact, it even made it to the front page of their website. They tried to blame today's decline on that tweet, even though Bitcoin made a new high after the tweet. But they didn't want to say why he tweeted it. I mean, even Bloomberg, I read the Bloomberg story and they mentioned on the Bloomberg story that the tweet was in a reply directed to me. But of course, CNBC, not only don't they want to have me on, they don't even want to mention my name. So this probably really bothered them. They have this big Bitcoin story that involves Peter Schiff, but they have to report on the story without mentioning Peter Schiff. Because believe me, if this tweet was directed at anybody else, right? If there was another person that uh, Elon Musk was responding to, that would have been part of the CNBC story. It may have been a big part of the CNBC story, but because Elon Musk was responding to my tweet, they had to completely pretend that it was just an isolated tweet and take it out of context and not disclose or report that it was part of a conversation because then they might have had to say who the conversation was with. But because they did not want to mention my name, they just completely disregarded all of the background on the tweet And just reported as if Elon Musk had just randomly decided to tweet out that the price of Bitcoin looked high. Well, I am going to go over how I responded to Elon Musk if you haven't already read it. And by the way, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you should do that now. You know, I mean, I'm picking up quite a few Twitter followers. In fact, I got a nice bump uh, after Musk, uh, you know, responded to me. So I'm almost at 380,000. Followers Still not that many in the scheme of things. Uh, but, you know, my my follower count is moving up. And by the way, as a result of the exchange between Musk and I, uh, I did invite Elon Musk to um, have a conversation with me on Clubhouse. And by the way, if you're not following me on Clubhouse, you should go ahead and do that now on Peter Schiff 1 on Clubhouse. That tweet has over 10,000 likes. I mean, maybe more by now. So a lot of people would like to see That uh, clubhouse conversation. And really, you know, I just cut and pasted uh, Musk's tweet where he invited Putin to have a conversation with him. And I didn't even notice there was a typo in Musk's tweet. And so I wasn't making fun of him when I put the same typo in my tweet. uh, Because, you know, I have typos in my tweets all the time. The funny thing is, I didn't even notice musk's typo so i when i cut and pasted his tweet i cut and pasted it with the same typo and didn't even bother fixing it but meanwhile uh musk has not taken me up on my invitation to have a uh, clubhouse conversation i know he likes clubhouse he's constantly talking about it so you know it's an open invitation whenever he wants to accept it i realized you know it would be my honor Uh, to have a conversation with Musk because in the global pecking order, I mean, he's way at the top and I'm, you know, way below. Uh, So I I recognize that, you know, (laughs) it would be a a big coup for me, not necessarily uh, for Elon Musk. But I think that if Elon Musk really wants to, uh, you know, try to discuss Bitcoin with somebody who is a skeptic, I'm the guy to talk about. I mean, I think I am the number one most popular Bitcoin skeptic probably in the world. I mean, you have other people who are against it. nuriel Rabini, you know, um, Jim Rickards, Jim Rogers, Warren Buffett. I mean, there's a long list of people, you know, who completely dismiss it and say it's a fraud, it's a con, but I don't think anybody is as popular as me. If you look at all the memes out there, it's I'm the one that everybody's making fun of, right? I am the laughing stock of the Bitcoin community. So Musk should talk to me. I mean, if he's now if he's coming off his you know high mark of being this big engineer and this billionaire who's you know making electric cars and you know uh, spaceships, and he's now a big promoter of Bitcoin and trying to claim that it's better than gold. Uh, I'm the guy that he should be having a conversation with in uh, Clubhouse. And of course, what if he convinces me? I mean, what if he he says something? Because ultimately, if Bitcoin is going to succeed at replacing gold, you're going to have to convince me and people like me to accept it, right? And so this is an opportunity. Hey, maybe we can get Peter Schiff. Let's take a shot. You know, people keep saying, well, Peter's never going to like Bitcoin because he's biased because he sells gold. Gold, selling gold at shift gold is a side business. It's a small percentage of my income. And I'm not so stubborn that if if somebody can actually prove to me that I'm wrong, I would admit it. You know, if someone could actually prove, hey, Bitcoin is better than gold and prove it to me. I mean, that's okay. And of course, a lot of the people who think that you should own Bitcoin, they also think that you should own gold. I mean, it doesn't mean I have to stop selling gold because I embrace Bitcoin. I mean, there's a lot of people that say you got to gold as well as HODL, meaning hold on to your gold, hold on to your silver. I mean, look, if Elon Musk is going to build rocket ships, he's probably going to be using some gold. I know he's using silver in his electric cars. So, you know, I, I'm a big target. I mean, convince me and all the dominoes are going to fall, right? So if you're a big Bitcoin guy, right? Get Peter Schiff on board. Get me to accept Bitcoin. And, you know, you... Uh, you accomplish a lot. It's you know, talk about your network effects that they're they're always talking about. I got a lot of followers, right? So I, I could have a lot of influence. It would be a big coup uh to get me. So he you know he should wanna uh have that conversation with me. But let me get back to my replies. So I initially sent a string of three replies to uh Elon Musk. And so I'm gonna uh, take on I'm gonna, you know, go to Each reply, because I addressed a different point that Musk was trying to make. So my first reply was, as an engineer, you should know the distinction between a tangible element like gold and a mathematical string of numbers, which is Bitcoin, that there's a huge difference. Gold does not need miners to power its existence. The laws of physics do that. Gold provides owners with optionality. When you have gold, you can do three things with it. You can use the gold yourself. Right, you know, as a conductor of electricity or whatever, you can improve the gold, right? I could take the gold and I can make some jewelry at it, or I can just hold on to it. Now, when I'm holding on to it, I'm holding it so that somebody in the future could use it or improve it. That is the store of value that gold has. It is a metal that can be used or improved. And if you don't want to do it yourself, you can hold on to it until somebody else wants to do it. Right? Bitcoin, you can't do any of that. I mean, you can hold it but you can't improve it and you can't use it. And neither could the person who eventually buys it from you. All you can do is hold on to it and hope that somebody else wants to buy it. Very different from gold. In fact, I was watching on CNBC today and I got a kick out of this because uh, Kramer was talking to David Faber about gold and Bitcoin. And Kramer was like, well, you know, I actually like gold better than Bitcoin, which to his credit, you know, he's been touting Bitcoin and he said he likes gold better. And then Faber asks Kramer, Well, what can you do with gold? Like, why do you like gold better than Bitcoin? Like, you know, what can you do with gold? I mean, and then I'm watching and Kramer's silent for a few seconds while he's trying to think about what you can do with gold. And then his answer is, well, you can carry it. That's all he could come up with. And then he couldn't come up with something else and like, and neither could Faber. Like these guys don't even know. I mean, they're probably wearing gold jewelry they don't even realize there's so many things that you can do with gold it is actually the most useful metal of all the metals on the periodic table that is the point but of course they they don't get that they just think about gold as a coin right when you have a gold coin do you do anything with the gold no you hold on to it but there are plenty of people around the world who are doing things with gold they are using gold that's what gives that coin its value The reason the price is high is because it's very scarce, and it's extreme, and 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 the things it can do are extremely good, and other metals don't do it. But people don't get it, and neither does Elon Musk, because he still doesn't see gold as a metal and understand the difference between a actual metal and just a string of numbers on the internet. Then I addressed the other part of his reply to me having to do with an email confirming ownership of gold is not the same thing as gold, right? Now, what, what did he mean by that? Well, what Musk was referring to is, let's say you buy gold from a third party who does not deliver it to you, right? Like when you buy gold from Shift Gold, we take your gold, put it in a box and send it to your house. So you actually get the gold in your hand. What Musk is talking about are circumstances where you buy gold, but you don't actually get sent the gold. Maybe you get an email that says, hey, we just, you know, you bought gold and we're holding it for you. And so you have an email. And he says an email, you know, that says you have gold is not the same thing as actually having gold. And so the way I addressed that in my reply, I tweeted an email confirming gold ownership either from a private vault or a government is but a secondary layer of trust. You can confirm this trust on your own. While Bitcoin's ostensible trust layer requires a network of miners spending 5% of the market value of Bitcoin every year to do it for you, right? Now, to expand on that, because, you know, with Twitter, you just have a short tweet. Look, if somebody sends me an email that they're holding my gold, I own that gold, right? I can verify with that third party. I can send somebody down there to look at the vault I can ask them to send me a photograph. What's the number of the bar? I you, There's a way to verify third-party ownership of your gold. Right? And you can always take delivery of that gold at some point in the future. So if you're dealing with a trusted third party, whether you're trusting a government or trusting a private vault, having your gold stored someplace else is owning it. Just because you don't have it in your hand doesn't mean you don't own it. In fact, later on that day, I sent out another tweet, which I thought about later, which I helped make the point. A lot of people own stock in Tesla. And a lot of people who own that stock, in fact, everybody who owns that stock, they don't have this Tesla share certificates in their hand. They have them in a brokerage account. And their broker sends them an email that says, you bought hundred shares of Tesla. Well, is that not the same thing as owning Tesla? Don't you still own it, even if it's in your brokerage account and you don't have the certificate? Yes, you own it, right? According to Elon Musk's own logic, you might as well own crypto than Tesla because if you have Tesla in your brokerage account, you don't really own it. Of course you do. This is all nonsense to try to attack the fact that just because you don't have physical possession of your gold, you don't actually own it. And of course- We've had a long history of people storing gold with uh, blacksmiths and then private banks. The only time they've really had a problem is when you store gold with government because government's the ones that have uh, shown that they're willing to default on their promises. But reputable private uh, companies will not because they value their reputation. But my point about trust is Musk is saying that you have to trust these third parties. Well, you don't have to because you don't have to have your gold stored by a third party. You can always take possession of your gold and store it yourself. But he's acting as if when you have Bitcoin, there's there, you don't have to trust anything. Yes, you do. I mean, every time you do a Bitcoin transaction, the transaction has to be verified. The miners have to verify it. That's why the transactions take so long. They're not instantaneous. They could take hours because miners around the world are verifying these transactions. And it's very expensive. In fact, if you look at the total cost of verifying all the transactions, it's about 5% of the total market cap of Bitcoin. I mean, that is enormous. I mean, in reality, Bitcoin, if it were a currency, it has a 5% negative yield. Now, right now, the yield is being absorbed by the Bitcoin community because the price keeps going up. So you can't see the massive cost of maintaining this network to verify all these transactions. You don't have to do that with gold. No third party has to verify. I can just hand my gold to somebody else, boom. And if I had ownership of gold in a vault, I can transfer that ownership to somebody else and it would be very efficient and and and, and much less expensive than transferring my Bitcoin. But then in another tweet, I went into his understanding of money. This is really where he displays his lack of understanding. Because he said money is data, right? That's what he said. Money is just data. No, it's not. Money is not data. Money is an actual good in and of itself. Money was an improvement on barter because instead of trading, you know, one good for another, you just traded goods for gold, which was in and of itself a good. So, If you paid somebody in gold, you were paying them with something of value in exchange for the thing of value that they gave you. Now, they may not need the gold, meaning that maybe they're not a jeweler or they're not a chip manufacturer, right? They don't actually need the gold, but somebody needs the gold. And so they can take gold as money because they know somebody else will take it either because they need it or they'll take it because somebody else needs it. I've used the example of cigarettes being money. Cigarettes were money uh, to people who didn't even smoke. I mean, why were cigarettes valuable? Why did the GIs use cigarettes after World War II? Why did prisoners use cigarettes? Because you can smoke them. If you are a smoker, cigarettes are very valuable to you. You got a habit, you need your cigarettes, right? So if you're in an area where there's a lot of people you know that there's going to be a certain percentage of those people who smoke. So if you're looking for something that can function as money, you would take cigarettes in exchange for something else even if you don't smoke them yourself because you know that there's going to be somebody who will. And even somebody else who doesn't need them will take them from you for the same reason. But if you're in a community where nobody smokes, right, if you're on an island and there's not a single smoker on that island, right, The cigarettes have no value. What gives them value is the fact that they're a smoker. So gold has value because people do use it. If there was no use case for gold, the gold itself would have no value. That is not true for Bitcoin. So here is the rest of my reply to Musk in this tweet. I wrote, money isn't data. Data can represent money, but can't replace it. Money improved barter. Gold improved money and data improved gold. Bitcoin is a return to barter. All sellers will accept money. With Bitcoin, you must find a seller who has what you want and wants what you have. Meaning, I got to find somebody who has the product I want and is willing to accept Bitcoin in exchange because Bitcoin is not really used as a currency. The only people who actually take Bitcoin are people who want Bitcoin. It's a return to barter. Yeah, you have certain companies like Shift Gold that work with BitPay that let people sell their Bitcoin at point of sale to get dollars and then BitPay pays dollars to shift gold. But in that circumstance, Bitcoin is not acting as a medium of exchange. It's an asset that the buyer owns that he liquidates to get dollars to use the dollars as the medium of exchange to acquire gold. So Elon Musk is confusing money for data. Yes, today, you know, we have digital dollars in that the Federal Reserve creates dollars digitally, but what it is creating is not money. It is creating a money substitute. It is creating a fiat currency. You can have a fiat currency in a physical form or you can have a fiat currency in a digital form, but it does not make it money. Paper dollars, even the ones that were backed by gold and silver were not money. It was currency. It was currency that was backed by money. The money was the gold and silver. Now, money doesn't have to be gold and silver. Money can be any commodity that that is used, but that can also function as a medium of exchange. Like cigarettes. Cigarettes were a medium of exchange because, you know, they're, they're pretty much all the same. You know, you can have a pack of cigarettes. Maybe there's 20 in a pack. How much does this cost? 5 cigarettes, this is 6 cigarettes, 10 cigarettes, they're all the same, right? They're the same length, they have the, about the same amount of tobacco. So, they were kind of easy to use as a unit of account and as a, you know, that's why it worked. But again, if it wasn't for the fact that you could smoke a cigarette, nobody would take them. Gold is money because it's metal. You could do a lot of stuff with it. Copper for the same reason, right? Pennies were money. Copper's a metal. Silver, a metal. Right? metals made the best money because you can melt them down and put them into a coin that was so good about it and then you can put a denomination on them so metals represent much better money than, than salt Right, the Romans they paid their uh, soldiers in salt that's where you got the word salary it comes from salt but I mean, you have to take the salt and you got to weigh it out. You got to put it in a bag. I mean, it's pretty cumbersome uh, to use salt as money. And then what happens if the wind blows? There goes all your all your money. So um, metal, you know, evolved. Societies throughout history experimented with different commodities that could serve as money. And the best one ended up being metals and gold was the best of the metals. Bitcoin is not money because it doesn't have any of the characteristics of of any of those commodities. The best they could hope to be is a digital fiat currency, but it can't even function at that because it's way too expensive to actually use as a medium of exchange, which is why they try to claim that it's digital gold. But again, it ain't digital gold because it's not metal. You can't do anything with it that you can do with gold. And it can't be a store of value. Gold is a store of value because you are storing the value of the metal. Bitcoin has no value, so it has nothing to store. As I said, it is a token, a digital token. That doesn't mean that you can't have a price because there's a market. Right now you have people collecting these tokens, right? Or or, or fractions of a token, right? They're stacking SATs, Satoshis. So you have all these Satoshi collections all around the world and they're going up in price as more and more collectors enter the market. And then you have a number of people who are trading in these digital tokens, right? So there's action going on, but... It's not serving as money. It's not serving as currency. It's, it's nothing, you know, and I remember, you know, I've talked about the Beanie Baby craze. I mean, yeah, at one point people were collecting Beanie Babies and the price kept going up and people were trading them and it was a big bubble and eventually it popped, you know, and the price crashed. But, you know, the Beanie Babies, at least, you know, they're cute, they're cuddly, they're something. Try cuddling up with your Bitcoin. You know, I don't think these Bitcoin collections, you know, when the when the music stops on this bubble, they're not going to be worth anything. I mean, there's so many uh, Satoshis out there that anyone who wants a collection of Satoshis can have one. I mean, you don't have to have an entire Bitcoin uh, to have a collection because what's the difference? They're all the same. But the bottom line on Bitcoin is, yeah, the price keeps going up. And for now, everybody who owns it couldn't be happier. And they're so convinced they're right just because so many other people agree with them and they continue to buy it, right? But eventually, the people who are buying it are going to try to sell it. As I mentioned earlier, you had somebody try to sell today and that's what dropped the price by 18.5%. Imagine if you have a more significant number of people who want to get out, this thing is going to drop like a rock. In the meantime, I've never seen a a bunch of people so absolutely convinced that they can't lose. In fact, right now, they think 100,000 Bitcoin is a sure thing. It's a done deal. In fact, if you look all over Twitter now, especially on my page, because I have a lot of these Bitcoin guys following me, you'll see all these people with laser beam eyes, right? They got laser beam. This is the new cult thing to do. If you're in Bitcoin, you put these lasers on your eyes to show solidarity uh, with all your fellow uh, hodlers. And apparently the laser eyes is we're laser focused on 100,000. And I guess... The idea is to convince everybody, hey, don't sell, right? Stick stick around, don't sell, and let's make this thing go to 100,000. That kind of reminds me of the people who are like, don't sell your GameStop, right? Just keep on holding, no matter how high the price goes, even as it had to $500, don't sell, don't sell. Why did they want to convince everybody not to sell? So they could, right? The people telling everybody else not to sell are the ones who wanted to get out. So they're really trying to gather all this support of people, uh, to have these laser beam eyes hey hey don't sell you know we're going to go right to 100,000 look can we go to 100,000 sure of course i mean we went to 50,000 i mean we can go to 100,000 it doesn't really matter because there's no real value for bitcoin because it has no value so the price is all irrelevant it's just whatever some idiot is willing to pay right that's the price so as long as more people are foolish enough to buy bitcoin at any price And as long as the people who already own it are foolish enough not to sell it, regardless of the price, then sure, it can go to 100,000. But the question is, how many people that are in Bitcoin know it's a bubble and do want to get out? And when will they get out? And will there be enough buyers to support the market or will it crash? I don't know where that point is. Nobody knows where that point is. Maybe it's at 100,000. Maybe it's higher or maybe it's not. But there's a good chance that the people that are holding out for 100000 will never see 100000 And what do you do if the price crashes from here? Just hold on forever and hope it goes back. I have a feeling that's what a lot of people are going to do. And they're going to watch their dreams of riches evaporate. <laughs>